This week on Ultra 64, Invaders, possibly from space. Welcome to Ultra 64. This is the comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how comprehensive it's going to be, but so we'll... far it's comprehensive of so, one. So far, we have the entire scope <laughs> of the one game we played. My name is Steve Gunley, and um, joining me is my co-host. Hi, I'm Woody Siskowski. And uh, yeah, welcome. This is our very first episode. We're very excited to be here. So, Steve, um, how many how many listeners do we have so far to the podcast? How many people are in this room? Um, Two. There's the two of us. Okay. All that's right. not bad. No, that's, that's not, not bad, bad at all. I mean, that's, that's the most I've ever had for a podcast. This so. is exactly the same number of employees Apple had at the beginning, minus like two or three. I call Steve Jobs. Oh, damn it. I'm always the Wozniak every time. I mean, people, I think people like Wozniak better, like in the long run as a person. But yeah, how, yeah, many, how many biopics have been made about Steve Wozniak, Steve? Well, two, because he's been a featured player in both <laughs> Steve Jobs' biopics. <laughs> I've been played by Josh Gad and Seth Rogen, so I've got that going for me. You kind of look like Seth Rogen. And you have Ashton Kutcher and Michael Fassbender, so enjoy that. Okay. Enjoy that. Excellent. I that's, think I come that's, out ahead. That seems fair. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, so I what derailed it, you instantly. That's okay. What the hell is this show? Ultra 64. So... This is a uh, podcast about the Nintendo 64 system. So a little bit of background about... Every time time you say Nintendo 64 system, I instantly want to do the YouTube video of the kid opening the Nintendo 64. (laughs) Nintendo 64! But I don't want to blow out people's ears, so just imagine that every time you say it. Just imagine that video, yes. And we'll we'll, we'll try and include a clip on the website or something, because that (laughs) one is classic. Uh, so for myself, I, I'm I'm a game collector to a degree. I mean, not universally, but I, I for the last year or so, I've been collecting Nintendo 64 games. I'm trying to build a complete catalog. I'm about 40 games shy of that as of this recording, um, and those should be pretty easy to get. It's just kind of a matter of time and uh, tracking them down. But yeah, so about I have about 250 games uh, in the system, and that's almost a complete catalog. So I think as a collector, the system appealed to me because there is a small catalog. It's relatively affordable as far as uh, uh, game collecting goes, and I actually genuinely love the system. It, it's you can accurately say that it has more uh, duds than <laughs> gems. I more, think, I don't think there's any system that doesn't have more duds than gems. Except the, I would say the Neo Geo Pocket Color is the only one that has more good games than bad games, and that's because there are like 12 games. All right, so we're abandoning this podcast, and it's now the Neo Geo Pocket Color Cast. And it's going to be called the Click Cast because it has that delightful click whenever you uh, move the analogs. Have you played with the Neo Geo before? I I, I saw it right about the time I got a Game Boy Advance, and then I felt like garbage because my friend had something that seemed so much cooler. It's really cool, and it's so satisfying because it clicks a little bit every time you move the, the analog stick which is just a joy but anyway we're not switching gears this early not yet so uh i kind of wanted all this collecting i've been doing to have a purpose and to have some kind of end payoff (laughs) so uh we kind of settled on this idea of doing this podcast each episode we're going to go through and play a game from this catalog um we've kind of selected the the excuse me we've selected the order of games using a random number generator, 
Um, and so we're going through in very, very random order, as illustrated by today's choice of game. We Our very first game for our very first episode of this show is Space Invaders, yes. the uh, remake of the classic arcade game. And uh, we were just talking about how this is a really good thing that we chose this game. I had originally wanted to just start with Super Mario 64 because I just felt like that was a natural starting place. But it, it was Woody's idea to go super random with this. And I'm actually kind of glad it worked out that way because there's really nothing to talk about with this game. Oh, there's, great. I feel like the bare minimum of this episode is going to be actually talking about the game we played. And the rest is just going to be introductions, who we are, a little history of the system, a little stuff like that. So I think that worked out pretty well. And I, I figure, I figure our first episode is going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a little rough. So we might as well not start with a game that as universally loved. <laughs> as, as yeah, I feel like there's going to be more to unpack with Super Mario. 64. I don't know, man. There was those other, there's alternate color super weapons in Space oh, Invaders. It's true. Oh, no, I got spoilers. Spoilers. Oh, sorry, we, we, sorry. We, we mustn't get ahead of ourselves. We simply mustn't. Um, all right. So the order for the games, uh, it, we're gonna let you know at the end of each episode what game we're going to be doing next, and it's all very random. The idea was to do one game per episode, but there are going to be some exceptions to that. Sometimes we're going to be combining and condensing just for our own sanity and for your sanity as listeners. For example, we do not want four separate Madden episodes. But did we divide NFL Quarterback Club into 1999, 2000, 2001? Those will be different episodes because they are dramatically different oh, from yeah. one another. The third one takes place on Mars. It's kind of a riff on Mutant League football. <laughs> Um, no. And then one is a rhythm game, right? One's a rhythm action game that takes place in uh, Underwater. It's, it's basically just like the full game version of that level in Kingdom Hearts 2, that terrible Little Mermaid level. It's just that. <laughs> oh, good. Except it's Jerry Rice, who is the only football player I can think of <laughs> off the top of my head. <laughs> That's pretty good. Jerry Rice. He was good, right? Yeah. Anyway, we're going to be condensing some of those games. So, like, there's going to be one Madden episode. There's going to be one... NBA live episode, you know, things like that. If there's a natural reason to condense them, you know, sometimes, and not just for sports games, sometimes, you know, I don't see a whole reason to do episodes for Chameleon Twist 1 and 2, or for Fighters Destiny we might, we 1 might, and We might two. have different opinions regarding we're, Chameleon I Twist. I think that's going to, and, you know, if we're doing the episode and uh, it, it just happens to kind of evolve that way and we're taking up so much time talking about one game, then we'll break it up a little bit, but... Uh, the other deviation... I actually wrote my uh, college dissertation on Chameleon Twist. Oh, did it you? It was called Twist in the Night Away. Chameleon <laughs> Twist and the... The <laughs> physics and science of tongue-spearing rats. That's right. And why the hell doesn't that thing look like a chameleon? It looks like a little spaceman. That's that's the twist. Oh, that's, that's the twist. The, yeah, oh, spoiler alert. I'm just now getting it. That's still going to be a little while before we get into the Chameleon Twist episode. Sorry, so get get stoked, everyone. Get stoked for, for some Chameleon, Chameleon Twist. Twist. I do feel Probably like... Probably a hundred or two episodes from here on. I, I do feel like that's going to be one of the biggest areas where we disagree. But well, I'll see. You, your tastes are hard to pin down when it comes to games sometimes. So, um, the, the other deviation we made is that... Uh, we're trying to keep things in basically chronological order for series. So... If I drew, like, the random number generator gave me, like, uh, Banjo-Tooie, 
instead of Banjo-Kazooie. I would arrange it so that Banjo-Kazooie is first. And that's just me being obsessive, compulsive, and weird. And uh, at the end of the day, it's our show, and y'all can suck. But I like to imagine that uh, people in the future are going to be translating what you just said as Mm. numbers, like Kazooie equals one, and Tui equals two, and then they're going to like... Draw out their own little <laughs> Rosetta Stone from so that. Three E and yeah, four E, exactly. and that's just how they'll speak, and uh, they'll they'll adopt Banjo's laugh, like the <laughs> which was a dead on Banjo. You'll, you guys will see in a couple episodes from now. Um, otherwise, we we are going to be approaching the reviews uh, in kind of random order. Uh, now, to to address the big elephant in the room right off the bat, <laughs> he's looking around. Visual comedy always works great yeah, on exactly. podcasts. <laughs> I will, we'll have somebody in here to translate that whenever you look around. Or give us a, a third listener. Do a classic bit. <laughs> the third <laughs> listener is the elephant in the room. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so we are not playing every game all the way to completion because you know who the hell has all the time that time. So we'll play the games for an hour or two before recording, so it's fresh. And so we did we even make it through an hour of Space Invaders? I feel like we already blew it. I feel like we played maybe like forty minutes. I feel like we played that game as long as warranted. Okay. I feel like there's some games that are going to recall call, call for even less time than that. Okay, honestly, I mean. That's just my thing, but so we'll we'll play. We'll try and do our due diligence and get in with all the elements, the different features and things like that. And we'll try and uh, try everything out, see what works, see what doesn't. So we'll try and have a thorough overview, but we're not going to beat every single game. So um, yeah, don't worry about that. Don't worry about how we're spending our time. So, I, I don't. I don't worry about. We're we're clearly not worried about it either. We're clearly That's why we're recording a podcast about every game for the Nintendo sixty four. We, we are not worried about how we spend our time. We do not value it. We do not value it. Um, well, let's let's break the ice a little bit. That's a sound bit. See, okay. did you hear that big? No, That's that that, that plays better you, on podcasts. You know they have. Um, you can download sound files and i'm not made of money okay come on i'm not paying big sound effect big sound to <laughs> take all my hard-earned cash so woody tell me a little bit about your history with this system where how do you how, what do you think of it do you like it you're all right with it yeah i'm i would say that i'm all right with it um mm-hmm. this is the system that my memory of it is this was the first system i pressured my parents into getting me for um christmas present mm-hmm. um I actually ended up, the way I was able to convince them was I ended up splitting it with another kid, like we somehow shared um, it as a Christmas or birthday present from both our parents, so I think we got it for a month at a time. Oh my um, god. And yeah, and traded that would be it back and forth. Yeah, so, and eventually after he lost interest, I uh, I think I bought him out of what we had at that point. Um, maybe a Sounds like so, so businessy. Later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you bought him out of his <laughs> side lose. of the business so he could retire. <laughs> yeah, um... And then what I mostly associate it with now is I would say that this is the system that I most associate with being in people's dorm rooms. Okay. Um, I mean, and this was, you know, I went to college decently after, you know, it was, would have been the next generation after this. Yeah. I, I went to, to college, but I still remember always having this around, people always being up for um, Mario Kart or GoldenEye or something like that. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, it's the system I probably have played. I, I don't have a lot of association with all playing a lot of it 
single player. It doesn't have a ton of my favorite games, um, but there's just a lot of situations where I feel like so many of the games are part of our... They're so I'm so confident that people know how to play them. Like I know that people know how to play Mario Kart. There people are always like when they say, "Hey, no shortcuts on the Wario Wario Stadium." People you know, know what, what that people, means. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Goldeneye. Everyone's got their own favorite mode. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone hates Odd Job. Everyone yeah. hates Odd Job. Um, I like throwing knives, License to Kill, or Slappers only. Me um, and my sister only play License to Kill, so it's kind of hard for me to play any other yeah. mode. Like the one hit kill mode is how I know how to play that game. Exactly. When um. When I was, uh, my my mother was never very keen on me playing Goldeneye. Um, she didn't. She was always uncomfortable with first person shooters. So I ended up going to a church youth group um, <laughs> where we would play Goldeneye before the pastor gave us the sermon. And so that was how I got to play Goldeneye and go around my okay. mother's taste was by going to the church youth group. <laughs> Fair bet that they didn't really know what yep. you guys were playing? Okay. Exa- exactly. I mean, fair bet. I think that eventually they cracked down on it, and I stopped going to the youth group. So. <laughs> That's the only reason. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. I think, this for me, this system was the first one I ever actually bought with my own mm-hmm. money. Okay. Like, I actually was old enough to save up. And, right. and you're a couple years older than I am. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, a couple years older. But, you know, wiser, let's yeah. say. No, um, I, I agree. <laughs> There's no question about that. So, yeah, I, I remember buying it, and I remember my sister, and I still owe her a debt for this, talked me out of buying Virtual Chess 64 uh, in favor of getting GoldenEye. <laughs> Okay. Like, because, you know, we had Super Mario 64, came with the system, and I was trying to decide, I had enough money to buy one other game, and it was either that or GoldenEye, and she talked me into GoldenEye, so I I owe her for that one, because I actually got around to playing Virtual Chess not too long ago, and man, that is, uh, that's hot garbage, that's a lot of hot garbage, and I would have hated it as a kid. But I, I, I'm just curious what you imagined Virtual Chess would be when you were a kid, like, you're like, okay, so one side we have... James Bond, the shooter game, and the other side, mm. there's this busty queen giving a noogie to the bishop. Like, why? Right. I don't know why you even had this issue. Well, okay, here's the thing. I hadn't seen a James Bond movie at this point, so oh. I didn't really know what Goldeneye was. Okay. Uh, later, I would get to know it, and I would become obsessed with James Bond, and I'm a huge James Bond nerd. But at the time, I didn't know what that was. And one of my favorite games at the time was like the Star Wars chess game on the PC where okay. like it had the full animations of yep. like, you know, uh, Chewie beating the crap out of droids and stuff like that. So I thought it would be kind of like a spin on that. Okay. And uh, spoiler alert, it is not. It is not. It is not. They didn't license the Star Wars characters. They did the not. To a chess 64. They licensed the ugliest possible sprites or polygons yeah. or whatever they were. They were the ugliest possible things. And it was a game that was broken beyond repair. So I dodged a bullet on that one. But, yeah, so what would you say, uh, let's say, uh, top three? Top three favorite uh, N64 games. Oh, man, I feel like this is this is spoilers for when we when we actually go down the list, right? But we don't know necessarily oh, because true. we might revisit them and be like, ah, oh, this isn't Well, number one is Space Invaders. Sure. Um, we just played it today, and I think it verifies your theory that we're going to discover some gems here. Um <laughs> Because it, it was really, it really caught me by surprise by how much I enjoyed it. Um, number two, uh, Super Mario sixty four. Okay. Um, I think that game, it it was amazing how much that game did right um, for being the first game essentially out on the system. And in a lot of ways, it kind of 
ruined a lot of games that came out after it. Um, they yeah. were such bad imitations of it. And um, I don't know, number three, let's say NBA Hangtime. Okay, um, okay. So there we go. Space Invaders, Super Mario 64, and NBA Hangtime. I feel like at least one of these is facetious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who, how, but who knows? Yeah, you're right. I don't at really like one. Super Mario 64. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Replace that with virtual chess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I would probably have to go Ocarina of Time. Always Eternal Classic, still my favorite. Well, I don't know. Breath of the Wild might be sneaking up on my favorite Zelda game. I haven't played that one yet. Pretty phenomenal. Uh, But that's definitely still up there. Uh, Paper Mario is a big one for me. I love that one. I I really like that game, too. uh, Yeah, probably Super Mario 64 again. But I do have the slightly controversial opinion that Banjo-Kazooie is... As good, if not a little better. Well, in some I think, I think that's fair. They're, I think they're pretty different. I think they're more different than most people give them credit for. They are. They are. But they they scratch the same itch, you know, uh, in, a, in a certain extent. Um, so have you played this game, um, Space Invaders? It, I've, I've heard of it. Okay, yeah, you should check it out. It was really great. It was so good. No. <laughs> Again, this is with the spoilers for later in the episode. Let's, again, because we have so little to talk about with Space Invaders, I'm going to talk a little bit about... A little history about the Nintendo 64 itself, and I'm going to turn my computer away so you don't see the answers, because oh, I'm going to no. be quizzing you on stuff. Okay, I'm ready. We're going to find out if you're a real gamer girl or not. Oh, fake gamer girls. Oh, man. Those things the are The amount bad. of time I have been called a fake gamer girl, it's, it's rough. I've lost track. I know. So, the Nintendo 64, it was first announced under the name Project Reality, and then in 1995 they showed a playable version under the different name... Ultra 64. Oh my okay. god. I Whoa, see where that... You see what yeah, I did with that? The That's the thing I did. Okay. Um, and then, of course, it was changed to Nintendo 64 by the time it was launched. It came out in June 23rd, 1996 in Japan and September 26th, 1996 here in the U.S. And it, la- it, all, it launched with two games and the... F- here's, here's your first quiz question. Okay. What were the I, first I five games? First, oh, first five, five oh, games man. for the Nintendo 64. All right. Let's hear it. Super Mario 64. Correct. Pilot Wing 64. Correct. <laughs> um, I don't actually expect you to know okay, this, good. but I'm just, well, I'm just, just curious. I'll just, how, I'll just say some things. Okay, um, I'll just curious to see NBA how NBA Hang you Time. Incorrect. Turok Dinosaur Hunter. False. Uh, Hexen. No, but those those last two were pretty close. They're pretty close. They came out within the first year. Uh, and I get one more guess, right? You get one more guess. Okay, great. Um, oh, crud. Um, <laughs> Maze the Dark Age. Incorrect. No, oh, sorry. So That's the terrible. first five games... Super Mario 64, Pilot Wing 64, both launched with the system on the same day. Uh, one week later, we got... Mortal Kombat Trilogy Ooh. and Wave Race 64. Oh, Wave Race. And then a few days after that, we got Wayne Gretzky 3D Hockey. <laughs> oh, good. Those were the first five games for the console. Okay. Um, so the uh, N64 ran until November 30th, 2003, when it was finally discontinued. What was the last game for the Nintendo 64? Uh, Clay Fighter Sculptor's Cut. That is not correct. The final game for this system was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3. Oh, I knew that. It was released in 2002, so a full year before they actually... There was oh, a full wow. year before they finally discontinued the system. And there was actually a full year before Tony Hawk 3, before the last game release. So there was... Oh, it was wow. basically dead long before... It was kind of weird that they put that game on there at all. 
It was long dead, but that that series huh. was massive, so of course they had to. All right, so overall, how many uh, units do you think the system sold? And this is worldwide. Oh man, these are hard questions, Steve. These are very hard. Okay, good. As long as we're in accord that they're very hard. They're, um, they're supposed to. I, I don't expect you to know this. I just <laughs> yeah, wanted but to make the this... listeners are going to think I'm a doofus. No, I just I honestly just wanted to make it a little more interesting than me just reading facts at your face. That's true. There is many more interesting things than you reading facts. <laughs> um, I'm going to say three million. That is. Way low, but actually pretty close to what it sold in Japan. It was a big flop in Japan, but it sold 32 million units overall. Uh, 20 million of those were in the U.S. It so was within like 20 mil, 29 million. Sure, <laughs> you were within 29 million. Um, so yeah, it, it, would, it did well here, and that kept it afloat, but it was a big flop in Japan, and I think that's why people still kind of think about the system as kind of a failure, well, I mean, I think it was it was financially a failure, right? I mean, I, you know, it kind of straddles the line. It, it sold the generation it came out in. It was the PlayStation One, the Saturn, and the Nintendo sixty four. It sold better than the Saturn yeah. here. It sold every, worse every, than, every, the every, every sold than the Saturn in Japan. The Saturn was a disaster, <laughs> but it did well in Japan. Um, but yeah, Americans and Europeans kind of glommed onto the Nintendo a little more than uh, okay. the Japanese did. Um, and a lot of the reason for that was kind of Nintendo's philosophy with this system was a little antiquated compared to what everybody else was doing. The The industry was moving towards the CD-ROM format, uh, which had you know, more processing power and it had smoother edges and things mm -hmm. like that. So while technically the Nintendo yes, 64 it, yes, it was more... Yes, it had smoother edges. They were circles, Steve. They were circles. <laughs> <laughs> the actual discs had smoother edges. I don't know about that. that those ca cartridges are pretty smooth. Oh, that's smooth. true. We have Bass, Bassmaster 2000 sitting here yeah, very, fondling it right very now. Very smooth. You're right, it is very smooth. Yeah, so I don't know. It's hard to hard to cut okay. yourself on that. All right, I will, I will revoke if, my previous statement. And if Hellraiser 3 has taught us anything, it's that CDs can kill you. So Okay, I'm going to have to catch up on my Hellraiser <laughs> I haven't actually seen it yet either. I just know that one scene. Okay. Um, so, yeah, well, PlayStation and Saturn technically had 32-bit consoles, and Nintendo was a 64-bit console. It didn't super matter anymore, because the the kind of... And I, I think, you know, even as somebody who really likes this system, you have to agree that it's... The graphics are pretty fuzzy-looking. Um, they have really bad problems with fog. You know, if you have, like, long draw distances, yeah, they just have this fair. pervasive fog. Um and that'll come up more and more. And a few games found their way to their workarounds with that, but most developers were too lazy to work past it. Um, and there was also kind of a, more of a trend towards uh, Japanese RPGs. So, you know, I've, I've heard it on, said... On other systems. On other to systems. To be clear, there is not a trend towards Japanese RPGs not on at Nintendo all. 64. There's, I, I read somewhere once that they, they described Nintendo 64 as the console that Final Fantasy VII killed... Okay. Which yeah. isn't, you know, completely correct, but it's also not completely wrong because yeah. that kind of that was kind of driving where the industry was going. That's what people want. They wanted these big cinematic experiences and these weird Japanese characters with big hair. And uh, Nintendo was just not releasing that. There are maybe four RPGs if you're being generous on the N64. And how much big hair is there? Very little. Very little. Very little. Yeah. I think I feel like Fighter's Destiny, which we'll get to next week, will probably uh, have a little bit of that. Okay. It'll, it'll count for most of it. Okay, good. I'm looking oh, and Goemon. Goemon has really big hair. Oh, but, yes. Okay. Um, so, 
that was kind of what killed it. And plus, and finally, you had the cartridges. So cartridges are harder to program. They're more expensive to produce. They take longer, and they're also more expensive at retail. So that the decision to stick with those was kind of a baffling one for a lot of uh, people. And Nintendo still sticks with it to a degree. The Switch uses cartridges. I mean, they're a very different kind of yeah, variety of cartridges, but they stuck with it longer than anybody else has. Um, it's it's an interesting aspect that I think is... Um, I feel like these... I don't know if it's just because they're the older systems, but I feel like the Nintendo systems have maintained a high level of collectability, and I think that the cartridges have something to do with that. Yeah. Um, since discs are so associated with just being these throwaway things that you get in your cereal box that wants you to log on to AOL. Exactly. And whereas these yeah. cartridges have... These things are sturdy as hell. Like, yeah. yeah, even more than most other cartridge systems. These things are sturdy. Um, and uh, so, I mean, that that helped in the long run, but in the short run, people weren't super interested. Yep. Additionally, because it was so hard to program for these car- cartridges, games very slowly trickled out into the market. So it's another quiz time. Okay, oh no. <laughs> How many games do you think were released in the U.S. for the Nintendo 64 within the first year? Okay, well, we know there was at least five. There's at um, least five. Okay. Yes, that's correct. Uh, I'm going to say 40. It is only 25 games. Oh, wow. In the first that's... year, only 25 games. And uh, So that's like the first 12 months. That's the from... first 12 months, from September okay. 26th to September 30th, so a little more than a year. Okay. There were 25 games. Was Maze the Dark Age one of them? I think it was, actually. Oh, good. Okay. Me, I mean, we, I'm not going to double-check on it's the okay. air. It's okay. Yeah, so we have other things to do than look up Maze the Dark that Age. That was one of the earlier ones, and I think you mentioned Hexen earlier. That was one of the earlier ones. Um, so, in total, there are about 296 games for okay. the Nintendo 64. Uh, and you compare that with the PlayStation, which has... I've seen various estimates, but the, the general consensus for U.S. releases is 2,500 games. Holy For the cow. PS1. I knew, wow, It was I, that's crazy. A large amount of shovelware, it was a large amount of crap, but... I knew, I knew it was a large amount, but I thought it was like 700. Is, wow. Yeah, that's... no, it's crazy. They, they put out so much. And there are some estimates that say about 7,000 for international markets, too. Okay, so okay, wow. It, it, yeah, so that, it seems especially sluggish when you compare it to that. Um, <laughs> what else have I not covered here? Okay, so... I was going to do something. There was another quiz. Great. So a lot... No, <laughs> no, no more quizzes. No more quizzes. A lot of major third-party developers sat the system out completely. There's only one Capcom game on the whole system. Um, there are no Square or Enix games. They're, they burned a lot of bridges with a lot of these other Japanese companies. So they had a lot of games by, like, Codemasters and Infogrames. Oh, no. Whenever you have a lot of <laughs> games by Codemasters, that does not bode well. Like, Midway did a lot of for, for the N64. Yeah. So, but hey, Midway is great. So, you know, they have I their love moments. Midway. They have their <laughs> But the the ace in the hole, I think, for Nintendo 64 was their first party games, which were uniformly excellent, I would say. And uh, they had Rare. So, Rare produced yeah. some of the absolute classics for the system. That's Banjo Kazooie, that's GoldenEye, that's Diddy Kong Racing, that's Perfect Dark, that's a whole bunch of. Jet Force Gemini is pretty good. Jet Force Gemini, Blast Core. Like yeah, they, I uh, like they did a whole bunch of amazing games for the system. So, between those, that kind of kept them afloat you for a little like, while. I feel like the Nintendo 64 kind of marks a turning point 
for Nintendo because um, I feel like they still have they still have these same issues and mm-hmm. this these lack of third party support and just the reasons that their systems succeed is through their own games and maybe one or two other developers who sort of get in tune. But like with Nintendo or with Super Nintendo, they had so much from other companies. Yeah, Konami, Capcom, Square, yeah. all that stuff was great. And then but they also those companies kind of grew sick of Nintendo had these kind of draconian quality control elements. So, you know, for the NES, I think most outside developers were only allowed to produce five games per year for the system. So like they would split off into different sub companies to produce more. So like Konami Mm. had the ultra banner or Atari had those Tengen, those like weird unlicensed cartridges. Right. That was their workaround so that they could produce more games in a year for the system. I didn't know that that was restriction existed. That's brutal. Yeah. No, they were really rough. And so I think a lot of developers grew kind of impatient with that. And when Sony came forward and they were offering the chance to produce as many games as they want. 2,500 of them. 2,500 of them. And they were cheaper and they were easier and they were going to reach a wider audience. And yeah, they, that, was a, that was an irresistible kind of draw. That makes sense. And I, yeah, I, and I feel like you're right. So if you look at the video game industry as like, compared to like the development of the human body, you know, right? As you do, as you do. Okay, so you know, if if the Atari was the infancy, then this era, this fifth generation, you're entering puberty. Okay, and Nintendo sixty four was kind of dismissed as like being a baby system. Yeah. You know, there were a lot of platformers and lots of bright colors and stuff like that. But you go over to PlayStation, and here's these big epic stories, and there's like you know mature themes, and there's blood, and there's gore, and there's stuff like that that, that the Nintendo largely stayed away from. I feel yeah. like too that might have something to do with the ages of people who were interested in video games at yeah. the time being a lot less willing to associate themselves with you know uh, these colorful games featuring you know plumbers and squeaky birds exactly much rather play something like resident evil yeah yeah or you know and yeah and you wanted something more shocking and more you know so you're playing doom and then you're eventually playing grand theft auto and you know you're you're kind of entering this angry teenage phase (laughs) just like the games are so you know you people didn't want to be saddled with nintendo so it it kind of the production kind of trickled to a halt and like you said we have a full year between the last game released, and when they actually finally canceled production, like, it was pretty dead. But there was one bright spot in the history of the system, Ooh. and that was Space Invaders. Oh, yeah, that's Let's right. finally talk about Space okay, Invaders. Okay, great. So, um, so, a little background on Space Invaders. Uh, this game mm-hmm. was released on November 30th, 1999, so it's right Wait, what? smack in the middle. I thought that it was released in 1978. This version. This version. We're getting there. Oh, getting okay, there. okay. We're getting there. Sorry, jumping the gun again. So, yeah, th- this this is a remake, like you said, of uh, a 1978 arcade classic. Um, this, yeah, came out in 1999, so it was smack in the middle of the heyday of the so Nintendo this 64. This came out 21 years after the original Space Invaders? Yes, it did. So, Space Invaders... that is accurate. ...was able to drink. Space Invaders was able to drink, and I think that might account for a lot of what we saw in this <laughs> Space game. Space Invaders went out one night, got drunk, <laughs> they got and signed drunk. away its license to whatever company made this remake. They did, because it's normally... It was traditionally... Taito uh, was the company that produced mm-hmm. it. Uh, this one was done by Activision. I think and, Midway uh, might have had the license in the United States. For the they arcade. did for a little bit, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then eventually... Nowadays, if you see Space Invaders at all, it's usually on like these Taito collectors, right. you know, where it's all their games at yeah. once, so you can play Bubble Bobble and because who the hell wants to spend $60 to play Space Invaders? You do not want to, and nobody wanted to, and that's why uh, there's really 
we're, we're trying to research each one of these games so we have a little bit of background on what we're talking about, but there really wasn't too much to talk about with this game. All I could determine was this was all released simultaneously on N64, PlayStation, PC, and Game Boy Color. Yeah. There was a Dreamcast version planned, but it was canceled. Production costs were astronomical. Production costs were astronomical, uh, and the Dreamcast was in its death throes by this point already. Oh, wow. Uh, I also learned that this game was called Space Invaders X in Japan, uh, which is kind of a cooler name, I think. You'd set it aside. Um, And it's just been kind of lost to time, and that's just... It's not because this is like some uh, magnificent lost classic or anything. It's just... There's so little to say about it. Well, Most gaming magazines, I found some archives going back, and they don't even, if they commented on it at all, it's usually like one of those little one or two paragraph capsule reviews, um, just saying, yeah, this is this exists, it's serviceable, it's fine. Is it possible that any anyone listening to this doesn't know actually like what Space Invaders plays like and what even even the original? Should we should we I talk about? that I feel really like quick? by this point, that's actually possible. All right, so. 1978, the original game came out, and this was one of the foundational video games, I think. This yeah. this was one of the games, along with Pac-Man, that sparked the arcade I think boom. This, this is pre-Pac-Man. This was um, a little before Pac-Man, but this I think one... It's a little post-Pong, a little pre-Pac-Man. Exactly. It fits right into that middle area. Yeah. Um, this, this was a cool fact I found out. So, when this came out in Japan, it took a couple months to catch on, but once it did, it was such a big hit that it sparked a nationwide coin shortage. Oh, man. And the Japanese mint actually had to start tripling production on 100 yen coins just to keep up. Uh, There were some... That's cool. uh, A lot of Japanese grocery stores were downsizing their food stocks so they could fit arcade cabinets in. (laughs) Oh, wow. This is all according to uh, Stephen Kent from The Ultimate History of Video Games, which is a really fun uh, read if anybody gets a chance to read that. Um, So there were about 300,000 arcade consoles for Space Invaders produced just in Japan. And these are between real ones and counterfeit ones. It wasn't 32 million? It was not 32 million. It was slightly less than that. I would make a math joke about it, but I cannot actually subtract (laughs) those numbers in my head right now because I'm not smart. So this was a massive, massive, massive hit, and it was just as big over here. Um, You know, so all the way up until 1983 when the market dropped out on arcades and, like, you know, the industry looked all but dead. But this is a foundational game. Um, for those who haven't played it, you've probably seen the iconic little sprites of, like, the squid-like little aliens. So basically they move they move in rows. as rows of aliens that are slowly descending, uh, moving a little bit to the right, descending, moving a little bit to the left. And you are a little triangular-shaped tank at the bottom of the screen. You slide back and forth, and you shoot upwards trying to work your way through all the encroaching crowds and keep them from landing. Some of the aliens will shoot back at you, some won't. Some will just, like, slowly charge at you. And every once in a while, you'll get a little flying saucer going across the top of the screen. In the old version, if you shot that, you just get, like, a little 500 bonus points or something like that. And uh, the more you wheedle down the rows of aliens, the faster that they get. And there are, some versions also have little shields kind of in the front, and uh, you know the common strategy is to shoot upwards through your own shields so that you could get through them a yeah. little bit easier. So you know it, it's it's a fine game; it still holds up. It's pretty basic, but I don't, uh, I, I don't know if you would say it still holds up. I, mean, I would say you could play it for about ten minutes, and I, I guarantee, you. yeah, most people would be bored now. But I mean, it, it works for what it sure. does. It takes. 
a bit of strategy and a bit of skill, I think. Um, in general, I think it could be best summed up by the Futurama quote, uh, <laughs> clip where he says, uh, instead of shooting where I was, you should have been shooting where I was going to be. Uh, yes. That's the whole strategy. Yep. Um, so, what so does... flash uh, forward 21 years, 21 years from later, 1978. A drunken is, cartridge stumbles into the N64. And sells its rights to what company made this it's, game? Activision uh, published it, and it was developed by a company called Z-Axis. Okay. Which I do not know what they're doing now. Okay. I've never heard of that they're, company. Yeah, um, so, we, we, put, we put this into your N64 play machine. We did. You pressed the power button, and mm-hmm. we were greeted by a cutscene of silence... Dead silence. Still images. It was like a slideshow. It was a dead silence slideshow. I, I assumed something was wrong with Steve's TV. I, I thought that too. Like, that's happened before. But yeah, no, because once you get to the actual title screen, loud, booming, obnoxious music right off the bat. So that was an active choice by the developers to just do this really bland looking I don't slideshow. know why you would insert a cutscene at the beginning of your game that has no music and no act no video um like it seems like if that's the level you're at you are better served to just leave it out this is the space not... where you're supposed to be getting people hyped yeah exactly and i did not feel hyped. i i, I, I felt hyped. the opposite of hyped i was I, I like i said i was mostly just confused about your tv yeah yeah as was i um so we have this this game does add uh, some co-op functionality mm-hmm. so uh we we played this game two player um, I also i also really enjoyed in the option menu um there's a control config mm-hmm. um and it shows oh, every yes. button on the <laughs> nintendo 64 and a says fire and b says special and then every other button z left c up c right c down c l r all say not used yes so you can- They'd like to just show you how many buttons they are choosing to not use for this game. You can switch them around, too. So if you want your fire to be on B, for example, you can do that. I mean, the the world is your oyster in this game. It's a sad person who needs to switch their controls for a two-button game. Yeah, yeah. So we get into the actual game itself, and... I was the yellow tank. It was the yellow tank. I was blue. And uh, there's a bit of a framework where we're going... Planet to planet, right? You start on Pluto, and you're working your way, I assume, towards Mercury, or you might start stop at Earth. Why, why, why you go to Earth? Why would you stop at Mercury? Well, I mean, if you're going all the way through, why would you start at Pluto? I mean, you got to stop at Mercury. Who's, who's watching out for Mercury? Okay, all right. So is, this does propose the strange philosophical question. If we are starting on Pluto, mm-hmm. shooting these aliens, are we the space invaders? I, I mean... Yeah. Technically, it looks like it's been colonized okay. because there are there's a very staid, uh, like drab-looking background on each level, showing a different spacey-looking backdrop. So if the one on Pluto looked only a bit, the cutscene at the beginning had given us some idea of what the hell was going. on. The cutscene at the beginning looked like it was taking place on Earth, right? There was <laughs> yeah, it, it was like blue skies and like, but again, it's not clear. It is not clear what's <laughs> happening. But it does look generically spacey, and we know that we are... Yeah, so each before each level, we get kind of a little breakdown. We see a little crappy 3D model of one of the space monsters we're going to be shooting in this planet, and a little brief description of what they do. And they introduce the one big mechanic that this one changes up from the originals, and that's if you shoot four in a row of any one kind of alien, you get a special, unique power-up which you use with your mythical B button, or if you switch it, your A button. Yes, that's right. Or if you switch it, mm. your up C button. 
Oh, can you do that? I think you could. Remember, I as we went over, it had all the buttons. We're mad. That'd be that'd be too much. I think. Um, yes. So basically, I, it, there's the same type of enemies on all these levels we played through from Pluto. I think uh, we made it through Uranus. Mm -hmm. We got uh, to. I will never get tired of saying we made it through Uranus. <laughs> um, I think we got what, what was after Uranus? Uh, uh, Jupiter, Saturn, 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 Saturn and Jupiter. Then Jupiter. We got and as we far as Jupiter. On the Jupiter box, boss. and then at that point, um, we'd been playing for like an hour, and we were pretty done. I think it was only like a half hours. It was it felt like an Either hour. Way, we were, game's pretty boring. I didn't feel like starting um, over. You know, I agree. Um, anyway, so yeah, there's the same basic three enemies on all level. There's the red guy who moves back and forth, and the blue guy mm -hmm. who moves back and forth. Mm -hmm. And the yellow guy mm -hmm. who moves back and forth. Oh, and don't the, forget the green guy. Oh, yeah. And the green guy mm -hmm. who moves back and forth. Mm -hmm. And as well as a special guy yeah. on each level, which is unique to the level. And depending on the guy that you get four of kills in a row, you get the special weapon. And what I want to talk about with this game is it seemed to have no difficulty curve. None. Um, we died a couple times on the first level because we were, were getting the hang of it. Um, and then as we went on, the special weapon that they gave you got a lot better. There was a big laser that just kind of that decimated a bunch of people. There was a giant ball sack cloud that sort mm -hmm. of went through it and, uh... Oh, and I love that even when you clear the world, like... <laughs> You won't move on to the next level until that ball sack cloud dissipates. Yeah. So a lot of time you're just sitting there staring at this like pulsing green thing <laughs> that's making this weird crackly noise until it disappears. So yep. it can be as much as 30 seconds on a blank screen waiting for that to disappear. Yep, the Pluto boss kicked our ass. Um, the next yeah. few bosses we just they beat up. so and easy So it was just, it was the kind of game that you just, you get sick, you just keep playing seemingly. There was 10 levels per planet. Mm -hmm. um, oh, in the middle, uh, level five, there was this bonus round yeah. where the, the music kind of cuts out and everything starts going really slow and some saucers just kind of leisurely go across the top and you shoot them for extra points. And occasional extra lives, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you do get, uh, in this game, you know, in, in the original, as we said, the little flying saucers that go across the top, they gave you bonus points oh, in the original. Here they give you little power-ups. So you could get a shield, you can max out your special gauge, you can uh, get double shot, or you can stop time. And the time stop we always got at the least like convenient moments. Right, just like just like the floating ball sack, you have to wait until your power up wears off. Yeah. So we would clear the level, get the time stop, and then have to wait until it wore off to start the next level. And it would usually just be like the one guy when we would get the time yeah. stop, there'd just be one thing left. Which I mean, I guess that's nice because they do start moving faster when it's down to the one that's guy. True. So it makes it that part easier. But it's not a hard game. Um I will give credit well, when... I mean, it might be. We didn't beat it. Yeah, that's true. But... That's true. But I feel like that's more it's just also... a lack of perseverance and caring. That's true. There, there, there's this discussion of, like, how hard should a game be? Because I was, you know, I was playing through uh, Cuphead recently, and mm -hmm. there was a lot of talk about, oh, it's such a hard game. But to me, a game being hard isn't really a definitive thing. It's more no. of the quality of the game that matters a lot more than the difficulty. Because if a game is fun and interesting, you're going to keep replaying it. Sure. Whereas if a game is Space Invaders for the Nintendo 64, it doesn't no really reason. matter how hard it is. No. Because you're sick of it before... Yeah, your interest wanes before the game is done. So Dramatically, even, yeah. yeah. I will give credit where credit's due, and I think that the special item system works relatively well. Because we were we were collaborating at certain points. Like, I would say, okay, I've, I've shot three red guys. I want to get one more red guy. Can you let me get that yeah. one? So we were communicating a little bit. And, like, you know, and, and like I said, there are some very satisfying special powers. Like, the big laser beam is great. Toxic Cloud isn't bad. 
And there's one that's just like just a straight missile that goes up through an entire row. That can be very yeah. useful. There's there's some, you know, these are okay. Yeah, that's true. These are perfectly fine. Um, it's not enough to really recommend it, I, I would say. But um, no, I hope not. I hope our standards are higher than that. Yeah, but it, uh. the, the bosses did get markedly easier. Like, So the first guy... He comes out and he's he, he looks kind of like a humpback whale and he's smashing his face into the ground. Yeah. And he'll he'll bounce around and sometimes he'll pin you into the corner. And you pointed out accurately that I just kept rushing in and trying to get as many shots in as quickly as possible <laughs> and kept dying. In the corner, yeah. But if you hide in the corner, he will leave you alone um, and you can dodge out and get a couple shots. But after that, um, you get a couple that do a little bit of, like, the bullet hell thing, you know, where you have to dodge a little I bit would, I would not describe it as hellish. I would describe no, but it more of, like, a bullet purgatory. Bullet purgatory. A, <laughs> very middling in terms of it's, bullet... It's just bullet bit, heck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is no Ikaruga. It is mm-hmm. not, but the, the core is, you know, the, you can see where they're drawn from. Like, it looks like a 1941, like, little bullets, like, going around, going yeah, sideways, okay. a little oval spinning around. And you have to dodge between them and, you know... Very easy to do. Uh, I think, which boss was it? I, I really hope the ring boss was on Uranus because that is just too perfect. Well, that, that, speaking of Ikaruga, that is actually the same boss as that is in the fourth level of Ikaruga. Is sort of this ring boss that surrounds you and shoots these big beams. Okay. Um, again, I drawing parallels between this and Ikaruga, but this is not. This that's is not, not really fair. It's not. And this this is actually. This game, and there's one called Star Soldier, mm-hmm. and these are the two closest games you get to that kind of genre, oh, to that, like, shoot 'em up sort of thing. Uh, uh, Star Soldier is actually one of those. This is just kind of right. adjacent to that. But it's kind of a weirdly underrepresented genre on this system. Um, but I digress. Have we, uh, have we beaten this game to death? I can't think of anything left that we haven't talked about. So I guess... We could just ask, basically, what would... Oh, we, you didn't You didn't talk hmm. about the music, Steve. The quality music on the Pluto level oh of the high-pitched siren as the guy was getting closer to us. And let me say, thank God that goes away. <laughs> like, for some, for whatever reason, like, so in, in the Pluto level, when you're down to the last three guys and things start picking up, you get this really annoying kind of car alarmy screech yeah. until you defeat the game, the level. Uh and after you get off Pluto, that goes away. Yeah, and it switches to I did I couldn't did it even have music. I, I think it did, but it, it much it, it had the same the like totally low, uninteresting music versus yeah. that annoying screech on the first level. It's like low level like pulsing electronica uh, that's not interesting in any way, but it's not annoying after the Pluto yeah, exactly. level. Exactly, it's just nothing. Um, yeah, I mean. I feel like already we've talked more about Space Invaders Nintendo 64 than any other person ever has. Wow, that's good. I'm going to I'm going to write a plaque and put it on my wall. I feel like it's, that's I'm putting that on my gravestone. I don't know about you. <laughs> you talked more about Oh my god, I forgot one other quiz I was going to give you. <laughs> is it about Space Invaders? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. But it, this this made me think of it. Is it about your gravestone? It is <laughs> loosely associated okay. with my gravestone. Okay, how many games for the Nintendo 64, do you think end with the suffix 64? Oh. Well, there's only one guess here, Steve. There's only one guess. 64. Incorrect, but man, wouldn't that be great. Yeah. I think Nintendo should have obligated companies to do that and just started releasing extra games. Let's let's use that as like a starting point. Would you say it's more or less than 64? Less. It is less. Okay, it's 44 games. Okay. 
Which is kind of surprised me, and I think that's because the knee-jerk reaction when you're describing any game on this system is to tack that 64 right. on the end, because enough of the popular ones did it. Yeah, why isn't this game called Space Invaders 64? I don't know. Probably because it was released on multiple platforms at the same time. Oh, okay. Or, you know, I don't think they could afford the two extra, you know, printing costs. There. Yeah, that's... The, the box art is even, like, the, the label... For the game, it's just a black field with Space Invaders written on it. It's like the most generic-looking thing. And that's what the box art looks like, too, except it has stars, I think. So, I mean, what a strange... Like, what do you imagine the people who bought this game... Are these, is this like you wanting to buy Virtua Chess? And it's, you know, I, who, I who goes and is like, I want this game. This might have been... Uh, $60 and... Yeah. It, it, oh, it, I, it, I imagine it was more the parents... Buying this oh, game, like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. They're buying something for their kids, and they're like, because honestly, I was looking at the best-selling games on the system. Oh, that's another quiz we'll do in a second. But one of the best-selling games on the system, it's low, but it's on the list, yeah. is uh, Namco Museum. Okay, so I feel like this kind of taps in that same nostalgia, you know. Except the difference is Namco Museum; it's actually the games themselves, like right. it's actually the original. And it's, it comes it's faithful. More, it comes with a couple games. It comes least. with a couple games, and there's like a UI and like a different. I think there's some. Uh, history for each of the games, something like that. I haven't played that one yet, but yeah, but there, there's there's a little more to it yeah. than than just this. And this is like it's it's a little different. It's probably different enough that it's not going to be totally satisfying to anybody. You know, yeah. like if you want original Space Invaders, this is pretty close, but it's not it. I mean, you know? maybe in you know, maybe in 1999, way way back then, um, when boy it, bands ruled the earth. Yeah, exactly. It was harder. It was harder to find yeah. Space Invaders. You're not just gonna. I don't know if at that point, not yeah, everyone. You're has not a computer, it on your not phone. Not everyone's yeah. just gonna pull it up on their browser. Yeah, I, now you can pull it up on your phone. I haven't looked. I, I imagine it's available oh. on my phone somewhere. Oh, yeah, well, of course. I'm sure there's 10 million apps, Space Invader knockoffs. Um, so yeah, but, maybe this was the only way to do it, but yeah, you wonder not. exactly who it's for, and and I also noticed like, like we we talked earlier about how how the the sprites in this have kind of an iconic design, like it's, the original Space Invaders. Even if you've not never played this. it, you recognize yeah. those original sprites. Yeah, and none of the designs of the aliens in this match that. Like those are gone, and I'm wondering if those are just owned by Taito, and like they'll they'll give out the name, but they won't give out those images. Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of the mental images, too, um, sort of blur together with this and Galaga, which also might be yeah. what you're thinking of, too. That but. could be. That could be. It's more. It's all space bugs. <laughs> yeah, that's you true. Know. <laughs> okay, one one last little okay. quiz, and okay. we're going back a little bit. Oh, that's okay. What are the uh, top five best-selling games on the system? Um, Super Mario 64. That's one, yes. Uh, Mario Kart 64. That's two. Mm-hmm. Um, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. That's number four. Mace the Dark Age. That's number 109. <laughs> um, one of these days, Mace the Dark Age is going to be the answer to one of the quizzes, and I'm going to be ready. I think it's only going to be an answer to the quiz on uh, what's the next episode we're going to be doing. Oh, Mace the Dark Age. That'll only happen um, once. Mario Party 64? No. Hmm, what's number three? That's the question. Yeah. Um, if it's not... We've talked about it this episode. Oh, no, I've already forgotten. It is Space Invaders. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's wrong. Um, is it Tony Hawk's Pro Skater? It's not. No. Okay. 
All right, I give up. All right, it's, it's number three is Goldeneye. Oh yeah, duh. And number five is uh, Super Smash Brothers. Oh, okay. so those all make sense. The best. Those, I respect all those games. The best-selling game on the system, Mario sixty four, sold eleven point nine million copies. No, I forgot. Was this it was was this a pack-in game? Or it was they... a pack-in game. Okay, yeah. so does that count the? That, that counts. As a game sale? Okay. It does, and that's why I think still to this day the best-selling game of all time is original Super Mario Brothers because it came packed in with the NES, mm-hmm. and Wii or, Sports uh, gets the same thing. Yeah, uh, I think Tetris for Game Boy Tetris, has that as well. Tetris is one of the best-selling yeah. games. But uh, none of the s- games on the Nintendo 64 even crack the top 50 best-selling games oh, of all time. Okay, that's interesting. Not even really close. So that's kind of where it stands, um, and that's just something I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, Space Invaders. Uh, do you think people should go out of their way to play this game? Um, no. If, if I were you and I was looking for, I mean, what does this game supply? It's a space shoot 'em up you mm-hmm. play as a ship, um, you can't move forward and backwards. Yeah. Um, so if, if you like shoot 'em ups but the whole forward and backwards thing is too much for you, then maybe you would maybe. enjoy this. But I can't imagine, this game seems like it was a rip-off when it came out, and it, I can't think of any real reason to play it now. If you're nostalgic for Space Invaders, Maybe. you can download Space Invaders on your phone and play that now. Yeah, there, um, are, there are so many superior versions of this specific game, or knockoffs even, that are superior to this. And I, I wouldn't even go so far as to say this is like a bad game. No. It's more just like a nothing game. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, just, it's sort of the bare... I mean, you and I, as someone, as people who enjoy pressing buttons yeah. and making things light up on screen, that happens. It barely held our interest but, even then. Yeah. And like, you know, so one of the things we want to do in the show going forward is we're trying to find like the manuals for all these games so we can read a little bit about what the plot is or <laughs> why we were on Pluto, what, what the mechanics are and stuff like that, you know, and uh, sometimes we have to turn to databases online to find different PDFs of these. And there isn't one for this game because nobody cares. So, I found one for Mission Impossible, the game. I did not find one for... <laughs> that game is complicated. That is a little complicated. has a lot of weird missions. There's a lot of weird stuff on that one, yeah. but... So I could I could see that, but that's also I feel pretty obscure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I would I would have to go. This, I would have to say the same. I feel like if you're not obsessively collecting every game in the system like I am, then there's really no reason to add this to your catalog or seek it out. Uh, this wasn't an expensive one, if I recall. This was. I think know, it's like ten, thirteen 10 bucks, bucks, maybe something like that. I not mean, worth that. Go on, go on Steam. There's ten million. There's so many ups on Steam that are. Yeah. 50 cents and better. Even Star Soldier, which we talked about earlier. I mean, that's a little more expensive. That's probably like 20 bucks, but that's that's actually a pretty good game. Like, that's a pretty fun one. We'll get to that eventually. So uh, what, what else we do here, Steve? Well, is, there, is there any other quiz questions one, you have for me? I don't have any more quiz questions just yet, but what we are doing... You want to ask me about Morrissey? I don't want to ask. I don't like Morrissey. <laughs> okay. I think we've had this argument. You got mad at me because I, re- I was... <laughs> I like, to, right. I like to rank and list Smiths. I don't like the Smiths, and everybody hates me for that. I'm like, uh, I don't know how to defend myself against this. It's true. It's hard to defend your taste. It is. Well, I mean, whatever. Okay. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not dredging this up again. All right, so one thing I want to do at the end of each episode of this is we are going to keep a running ranking oh, yeah. of the best games in the system. But the, the, the deal is we can only rank ones we've played. Only the ones we've played so far. So right now, mm. the best game on the Nintendo 64, a unanimous decision, yeah, I think, true. is Space Invaders. It's Space Invaders. So, uh, so will this be topped? 
Tune in next week when we will have a date with Destiny. That's Fighter's Destiny. We will be playing Fighter's Destiny 1 and 2, our first double crossover episode. And we will see if this forgotten brawler uh, has anything to offer modern audiences. I can't imagine it does, but I'm always open to being surprised. So uh, until next time, thank you for tuning in to Ultra 64. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, My name is Steve Guntling. And I'm Woody Siskowski. And thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to our very first episode. We're very excited to be here. You can find us online at Ultra64Podcast.com, on Twitter at Ultra64Podcast, Facebook Ultra 64 Podcast, you may be sensing a theme here, and Gmail at Ultra64Podcast at gmail.com. Please feel free to send us a message anytime. We would love to hear from you on tips for the show, memories of your favorite games, games you'd like to see us play in the future. Um, Trust me, we will get to all of them, but, uh, you know, we might be persuaded to bump them up every once in a while if, uh, uh, if there's enough outpouring, so let us know about that. Logo designed by me and music by bensounds.com. And thank you to Megan Griffin for pointing out bensounds.com to me. I've been very happy with them so far. Thank you very much, and we will see you next week.